2: This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, Episode 829, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. fanboy pick of the week episode 829 my name is Connor kilpatrick and this is my co-host josh flanagan hey that's me and joining us this week in the third chair is dr ryan haupt
0: thanks for keeping the third chair warm paul with your multiverse of madness talk appreciate it but i'm here now it's time to talk comics
2: he was actually in the fourth chair
0: there's another chair
2: yeah it's a multiverse of chairs we are a fanboy, wow. and every week we read our comics, and one of us picks our favorite book called The Pick of the Week. we talk about that book. Other books of the week, the patron pick, other things. This week, we're going to skip the listener mail for a special segment, and here's your spoiler warning. Exercise some caution, because things might be spoiled. This week, Ryan had the pick.
0: I did, and this was a particularly difficult choice for me. Um, a lot of really strong contenders, no one clear standout. Uh, I kind of ended up narrowing it down to two books, and then I realized that the theme between the two books was um, difficult decisions about fatherhood, and, uh, and that's something that's been Here we go. on my mind, obviously, because I, I have a kid now, and uh, one of them was a more hopeful, forward-looking view on the subject, and the other was a really dark and depressing one, and after the week I've had, I went dark and depressing, so it is time after time. Mm. Number 12, story by Declan Shalvey. It's actually time before time.
1: Time Before Time. No, it's before
0: time. It's, no it oh, is it Time Before written. Time. I, okay. Man, I even got it wrong in the script. It's my own pick. The pick was Time Before Time number 12, a title that I think was chosen to be purposely confusing, in which case they have succeeded. Uh, they being Declan Chalvey and Rory McConville doing the story, Rory McConville doing the story, art by PJ Holden, colors by Crystal O'Halloran, Hallor- oh, and letters Ryan, by Hassan. Ryan,
1: we're yes. not going anywhere. You take a breath, yeah. I
0: don't have time. There's no time. <laughs> the letters were it's done cool. by Hassan, Hassan Otsame Alho, El How, I think. How I I'm think you're start. over five on that whole, <laughs> that whole roster. <laughs> yeah. Should I start over? Go back? No, take this a, is funny. Time, time jump. All right. Um, I chose this because I've been sticking with this series uh, all the way through. I don't always understand what's going on, but this issue takes a break from our main characters who've been running around the time stream and there's like these two rival time crime based organizations that are uh, getting up to stuff in different time periods. I can't keep any of that straight. Uh, The reason that I really like this issue though, is that it was a little more linear and that it followed um, the FBI agent who's been going around with the criminals, uh, Nadia. She has disappeared from her home timeline and the story follows her partner who seems to be the only one who cares that she's disappeared. And what I didn't realize about this world, and so I thought this, this issue did some particularly good world building, is it, it tells us, the reader, that it's only the criminals that have access to these time machines. And the rest of society doesn't know that time travel is happening behind the scenes, and a lot of it is being used for criminal purposes. And so we kind of realized that along with her partner character, because he starts looking for her. Um, it starts with them having a conversation about him his wife uh, becoming pregnant and him becoming a father. And then it jumps forward to when he has a kid and Nadia has disappeared. And his boss at the FBI doesn't seem interested in putting any resources into finding this lost partner in a way that is very confusing to him. So he starts looking into it on his own. He starts finding some weird stuff. He ends up at the docks where, uh, the syndicate criminal organization is loading up some stuff. He suspects that something is off and he brings one of them in and in doing so kind of inserts himself into this, time traveling criminal enterprise um one of the fbi techs that he works with notices that a candy bar from one of the, the crates hasn't been produced in over 100 years i assume this is a future where chocolate has gone extinct which is probably something that's going to happen in our lifetimes so look Whoa. forward to that um yeah it's, it's it'll be true. fake
1: chocolate it'll be like the expanse it'll taste like seaweed <laughs> but it'll, be, it'll still be on the shelves
0: So, uh, the, the agent's boss keeps kind of trying to tell him like, dude, leave this alone. Don't mess with it. You know, the, the, when he brings in the guy from the docks, like the lawyer is there before the FBI agent can even get back to the station. So it's like, wow, he got here really quickly. Like, gee, wonder why. And so that's when I started to realize like, oh, the FBI doesn't know that time travel is happening. And so he ends up, you know, getting told off the case by his boss and getting put on leave and he goes home and he's having trouble with his family because he's spending so much time worrying about his partner and he doesn't have this great relationship with his wife and kid. And it's all very strained. And then, uh, the the crime guys call him in and to a back alley meeting and they have a guy strapped to a chair and they pull the uh, pillowcase off his head and it's his son from the future. And they're like, stop looking into this now or your son dies in front of you. And this is, and his son has like a very specific birthmark on his face. So he can tell that it's his kid. And the guy realizes that he's in way in over his head. And the issue kind of ends with him just deciding, okay, I guess I got to play ball and just pretend not to notice that all this time stuff is happening. Cause my son's life is on the line and his boss is like, yep. Happened to me a couple of years ago. I tried to keep you out of it. Sorry. Like you're in it with me now. And we just gotta keep our heads down and keep on, you know, our, your partner's on our own and we can't do anything to help her and good luck. And that's that's it. And it's like very bleak, dark ending. And I was like, wow, that was that was really good. It was really well told.
2: Josh, did you st- are you still on this book?
1: No, and I feel bad about it because uh, I liked it. But Connor, you you jumped early and then I was I was having a hard time holding on. And then over one of the breaks or whatever, I built up like three issues or so. And I went back in because it had been some time and I went, I I, I had no idea what's going on. I'm, I'm going to let it go. It was, just, you know, one of those weeks. And uh, I liked what was there, but I think that they had a hard time getting there. You know, even Ryan, you said, you know, I don't even know what's going on half the time. So it sounds like you are talking right now about the issue that I, sh- I, you know, was waiting for. It sounds like to a certain extent.
0: I think if this had been a continuation of the story they'd been telling, in the previous 11 issues, I don't I don't think this would have been anywhere close to a, a pick of the week contender. But I think the fact that it was kind of a standalone, almost a one shot about something uh-huh. that was happening kind of on the sidelines with that isn't the main characters we've been following. And the fact that it was just this really bleak um, sort of it, it reminded me a lot of Looper, the Ryan Johnson. It's funny, every movie. time we
1: talk about this, I see, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and fake Bruce Willis makeup.
0: It was pretty good I, Bruce I, Willis prosthetics. Oh no, fair. I
1: love that movie. I, I actually do. Um, but it, it seems very very similar in that way. It sounds to me like they should have... I mean, I don't mean to... It's the pick of the week. I don't mean to criticize it. But it sounds to me like the thing about other people not knowing about it and and understanding the world of the present should have been presented earlier because it would have given stuff more context because everything else was crazy and running around. And I think that if there was some basis for us to sort of have an understanding of the world that might've helped earlier, Yeah. On. And I think,
0: you know, there's a lot happening with like time refugees and people being like basically indentured servants because they time traveled to a different era to escape something from their past. And like, I feel like issue one did a really good job where the, the main character's best friend like disappears for a minute and then comes back as an old man and has lived this life. And like, mm-hmm. there needs to be more like big idea time travel stuff like that. And yeah. so that was where I thought the hook for this issue of just like this criminal organization will find your kids in their main timeline and bring them back to the past to threaten you. That's like, and and it's not, you know, and it's clear from reading this issue that like this guy's experience, this this FBI agent, he's not the only person they've done this to. Like it, the similar mm-hmm. thing happened to his boss and that's why his boss has also backed off of the, the organization. So, um, you know, I ideas think- like that. Fleshing when, out the world and the way things work, you know, it, it I think it helped a lot with this issue. When it
1: comes to time travel stuff or, you know, um, relativity stuff or whatever it is, I think that it really – the details, the minutiae, the stuff that you can get into are super interesting. But you have to set the table really well. And, you know, the fact is the if the idea is that the criminals are the only people who know about time travel – and are doing it or whoever you know what like and the rest of the world doesn't that to me feels like a foundational thing yeah it's a fun surprise but it's not 11 issues later into an indie series that takes 2 yeah. years to get there surprise if that makes sense
0: i agree i think this e- easily could have been yeah this could have been dealt with Earlier, as soon as the FBI agent disappeared. So I don't don't know what their big plan is. But I also just think that, you know, Declan Shalvey is an artist whose art I've always really enjoyed. And so, you know, much like Scotty Young, it's been interesting to watch him take a turn as a writer. And I think he's actually growing and maturing into a pretty competent one. So
1: sure. I mean, I think the ideas of this are all great. It's the the execution to me is is just like we have all these ideas and they don't you know, there's not an editor necessarily to put it all together. Like, the thinking is great. The characters are good. The dialogue is good. just needs a little something. like it it's this like fire hose of ideas basically. And you need to you need to control that.
0: Well, I thought that this issue being like tighter and sticking on one character yep. the whole time did that and, and I think it actually does have I think Heather, Heather Antos is editing this, so I don't wanna take away from the editorial editing. Editing means a
1: lot for... of different things.
0: Sure, sure. sure. I'm just yeah. Comments. I just wanna make sure that we weren't acting like this book didn't have an editor but um yeah you know in in a week of solid strong <laughs> books that and and connected themes this one stood out enough that it uh, stuck with me enough to be the pick of the
1: week that's cool i'm glad i was i'm glad to see that i was i was surprised but um i i like the thinking behind the book and and that you you stuck with it and got something out of it and and just for the record i don't think anybody is editing books anymore even the professional people at marvel dc don't seem to be I I feel just keep trains running and put teams together and then let them run. So that's just
0: my own issue. So and
2: Superman, Son of Kal-El 11 was the uh, opposite side of the coin here.
0: Yes, it was. I would say this was, you know, the, uh, I, I think last time I was on the show was also an issue of this book and it was also my runner up for pick of the week, but the conversation that happened. So in this issue, uh, still being written by Tom Taylor with art by, Cian Tormi, and color by Federico Blee and Matt Herms, letters by Dave Sharp. Batman has told John that he can't trust his new boyfriend because his new boyfriend is, in addition to being affiliated with a secret news organization, is also affiliated with a secret militant group. And I thought there was a few too many secret mil- secret groups that this guy is affiliated with for me to keep track of. But that's neither here nor there because the standout moment for this issue, I thought, was the conversation between Bruce and Pawkent.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yes. I assume you're both still reading this and I, no. I assume you both know you dropped. No,
2: this is the one I dropped off.
0: Yeah. Oh man. I think you would have really liked this scene, Connor. So the, the Kents are hiding out in some He's sort of mountain wrong. house um, because you know, Clark exposed his identity. So the farm was no longer safe and God, Batman is so being much. very stern with John that he can't trust his new boyfriend and John is frustrated by that. And so then, Pa hands uh, Clark a, a mug of coffee or a mug of tea or some some sort of hot drink. And they stand on the balcony and talk about how, yeah, you know, Alfred used to worry a lot about you whenever Martha and I would have our weekly phone call with him. When we find out, which t- to my knowledge wasn't canon before, that uh, there's, a, there's a weekly phone chat between Alfred and Pa and Ma Kent where they just talk about their sons. And I, it was just, oh, it was it was great. I ate, ate that whole scene up with a spoon.
1: Yeah, it was pretty delightful. I um I like this series for the most part. I mean, and, and I think uh, the way that... I mean, Tom Taylor's really good at the relationships, and so the relationship part of, like, all these these unknown interconnected threads, be- interpersonal connected threads between sort of these characters that you've known for a long time is really interesting, and it comes across as pretty genuine. Uh, I am positive that those calls were not a thing that existed anywhere else at any time, no. nor will they ever be mentioned again. But no. when they put it here, you know, like, it's believable, and you you kind of buy it. You know, it's that... I think it's, I don't even know if it's in this book, but it's come up a couple of times in different books. Like uh, you're, you keeping tabs on me. Yes. I'm always watching, which by the way is a Tom Taylor thing. So he's clearly surveilling his family. I <laughs> just, <laughs> just want to go ahead and point that out. Um, you know, and I like, I, I, you know, I, as a story, as a standalone, I, I don't really, you know, if we, we've, this is what we have this story of of a young Superman trying to understand the best thing to do, uh, without the context of his father, who was making it up as he was going along, it's a different story. But it's an interesting story. If this was an Elseworlds story, I would I would eat the whole thing up completely and not not even give it a second thought.
0: And I like how Tom keeps developing and deepening the relationship between Dick and John because, like, they are the mm-hmm. sons of the, the the Titans. You know, sure. Um, and I like that you know, as as Clark kind of helped guide. Nightwing out from under the shadow of the bat, you know, Nightwing is now sort of serving that same role for John. Now that Clark is not around. And I like that, you know, we're continuing Tom Taylor's run of just writing this effortlessly confident Nightwing who, in a way that's not annoying. We're like, Nightwing's right. dealing with something and like there's arsonists and there's a fire. And John's like, okay, well you want to handle it? Or you, do you care if I help? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, I don't care if Superman comes and helps me. Like I I can handle this myself. Or if Superman wants to come and blow out the fire for me, fine. Like it's all good. I got this either way. And um, they just have such an easy casual brotherly relationship that um i find really endearing as well
1: but here's the problem i don't care about this gamora story one bit
0: yeah don't really care
1: about john's relationship with his new boyfriend all of these are machinations for us to have these little cool interpersonal conversations and they're the thing that i take away from it yep every time they go back to whatever henry bendix who is fucking wildstorm character and gamora which is you know, it's an authority story. I go, all oh, right, this is going on and I don't care. I just want to get to the other bits. And if the, it's almost like if this story, like if they just had a bunch of unconnected adventures that gave him the reason to do this, I think it would be even better, but it's comic books and you have to put a big sort of world ending threat behind it all the time. And there's a thread that goes between it. But like, I literally don't remember every time it shows up in one of these issues. I'm like, all right, that's a thing. I, Cause I don't care. And I don't really understand or care about uh, the boyfriend's uh, um, organization, The Truth. I, either of uh, them, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag, you know? It's like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The band is great, but Anthony Kiedis needs to not make more sounds. <laughs> I'm going to get letters, and I don't want them. So, I don't care about uh, your opinion on that band. It was, it was a belabored metaphor, so there we are.
2: I think if I had to pick, it might have been Eight Billion Genies, number one from Image Comics, Charles Soule, Ryan Brown, and Crank. Did you guys both read this? I did. Yes. It felt like the setup to an interesting Twilight Zone story. It's an eight issue miniseries in which there's a bunch of people in a <laughs> band in St. Clair Shores, Michigan. It's a out of the way. I'm sorry, out of the way bar, and there's a there's a rock band that's unloading, They're going to play a gig, but no one's really there to see it. They don't really have any fans. There's a couple other people in the bar. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of genies pop up because there's a genie for every human on the planet and everyone gets one wish.
0: But and also the bar, the bar is called the Lampwick. Get it?
1: Oh, yeah. Genies, lamps. Didn't until
0: now.
2: Yeah. And so... Chaos ensues because everyone gets to have the one wish and chaos outside the bar ensues. But the bartender very astutely and there's clearly something, something else going on with this bartender. Very quickly makes a wish saying none of the wishes outside of this bar will affect anyone inside the bar. And so they're almost like in this safe, safe house bunker as the world goes to chaos outside. I, I just thought this was incredibly fun and um, thoughtful and um, not without, not at all without ex- what I was expecting when I saw the title, and that was Charles Soule.
1: I had no idea what to expect, and I, I, I. Charles Soule has done things in the past um, that I found really interesting, and then he's done things more recently. You know, he makes he makes his living by doing Star Wars comics that I don't really read, but I do remember in the past he's done a hell of a lot of really interesting books and thematically interesting. Like you couldn't pick out his books really and say like, oh, this is a classic Charles, Charles Soule story because it, he defies that to a certain extent. I actually think um, there
0: is a thematic connection with a lot, so a lot of his previous work. I think one of the thematic connections that Charles Soule likes exploring is cascading unintended consequences.
1: I'll give you that. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, had it, that
0: he had that book that was like the, the math book in New York where it was like, mm-hmm. you've got to you know knock this paper cup off the subway platform to make sure nobody dies sort of thing.
1: No, yeah, you're right. Um, but, but they're sort of big ideas... And then he's got to stick a framework of characters inside. And by the way, when you just said it's eight issues, I thought, good. This did not <laughs> need to. Like, I thought eight's too long. I, eight, six, eight might five be too or, many, but yeah. But, you know, better than 30. And wh- whatever the last book that he did with Ryan Brownwell was the Wizards, you know, I lasted about eight. You know, and, and uh-huh. then I sort of, you know, gave up on the thing. Again, huge, really great big ideas. This one's so wacky. And then that that device of nothing affects anything inside the bar. I was like, that bartender is the smartest person on earth (laughs) to be able to do that kind of planning that quickly. And you know, fine. Um, Well, (laughs) there's clearly something
2: else going on because he speaks Mandarin. Like he's clearly on a different plane than everyone else in this little out of the way.
0: Yeah, I thought it was going to be. I thought he was going to be the genie. Yeah, was what I thought at first, just because he seemed to be. Mm -hmm. He seemed to have something. You know, a, he said I've been around a really long time, or something, something like yeah. that. So,
1: I liked that, that there was no time wasted. She's was like, everyone's got genies. Was it? No, we're not going to talk about it. You got genies. Move along. You get one wish. And I, was like, oh, and I cool. thought,
0: I thought the device of showing the Earth at the first eight seconds, and you can see all the blue flashes as the genies come online, and you have the human population and the genie population. They're both at eight billion. And then the first eight minutes, Earth is already a cube. There are multiple <laughs> explosions happening, and the genie population is only down by like uh you know a few like a two million so you know within the first two million wish, wishes the earth is already a cube and everything's on fire <laughs> well
2: yeah and a million people are dead yeah because they're down to seven seven billion nine hundred nine million so i uh, i hope it,
0: i hope they keep that going throughout the series i want to keep seeing how the earth morphs and changes as the populations dwindle or maybe not dwindle
2: yeah i think it's interesting you know one of the band members she's in love with the lead singer so her wish is that he'll be in love with her but he was inside the bar when she made the wish she was outside the bar so it doesn't work and he gets all mad at her because she tried to basically love potion him. like it was it's there's a lot of interesting things happening and very quickly in this and you know the, the funny bits outside where we keep looking outside the bar and seeing you know like a t-rex running down the street eating people and a giant dude and a ufo like you know, dude in a mech suit, or guys in a big fucking monster truck full of like gold. Yeah, so like you know, people are stupid, and this is exactly R- what would happen.
0: And Ryan Brown's a good artist for that.
2: Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. And and you know, I think Charles Soule has the dynamism as a as a writer and storyteller to be able to do a lot of things like that. And and I think Ryan Brown, given his sort of what's the word? I was, was going to say wacky, but that's not really it. it. Is inventive and sort of funny. And, you know, style really complements that and that sort of brings that part. Out. I love the, uh, the sort of space between turning the earth into a cube and the bass player in the band has a crush on the singer or whatever mm. they are, you know. Like and right away, you're going, Oh, these are children. That's the worst wish you could ever make. (laughs) Like, it's such a bad idea to be like, I wish he loved me. And I was like, have you never seen any stories, but kids are dumb, you know? And, and also, you know, he starts off with this bar band. Charles used to play in bar bands. Like that was a thing. I've been to see his bar band once. Um, you know, and, and so we, you know, writers keep going back to those things, those, those themes that they really love. But (laughs) also
2: think if you think about it, uh, Ch- literal literal children also have genies in this book
1: that's, yeah that's that's no good yeah that's no so. good. somebody i would have a kid downstairs with like <laughs> infinite robux and i was like you fucking kidding me
0: <laughs> or, or the world suddenly your house suddenly becomes a minecraft house
1: yeah we past that <laughs> too oh yeah no. it was just everybody would sound like a youtuber with their fucking clipping mics
2: <laughs> so oh. I thought this was fun. I wasn't expecting. I didn't know what to expect. I just saw yeah. the the title and the creative team. I was like, oh, I'll give that a shot. And Same. after I, started, I was like, Oh, that was super fun. I'm really, I really want to know what happens next. So that's probably what would been my pick, pick. But I didn't. And also, pick one, so.
1: like nothing else. Absolutely, and like, nothing else. And we're like just like? Doing? It's like nothing, nothing else I can think of. Yeah, yeah. No. Totally. It's fun.
2: We continue the saga of love everlasting. This is issue three. I don't know when issue three actually came out, but this is when we we got it. Tom King, Elsa, we, we, we butchered her last name last time. Sure, TA. Or you could say American, sure, tier, but. Matt Hollinsworth, Clayton Cowles. And I don't even think I necessarily even care what the overarching story in this is anymore because mm-hmm. I just really enjoy these vignettes of, the, of love, of like crazy overwrought love stories in comics. And they're all Is, connected in a weird way. We, we still haven't gotten there. We're only three issues in, but you could take that out. I almost, almost wouldn't enjoy the book any less.
1: It's interesting that those stories are so compelling because they are overwrought and they're silly. And yet, what's the deal with a librarian? <laughs> right? You know, why would you name your kid after your long lost love who's a librarian who came back to town? And it's like, it's, it's like a, I don't know if that's, maybe this is why people like soap operas, where I could look at people mm-hmm. like, that's so dumb. But it's, it is compelling in some way. That But it's a little bit like, why are you so stupid? <laughs> you know, but also, like, you kind of want them to succeed or be happy or whatever. You know, because you're watching this girl and she decides to stay in town with her boyfriend. Yeah. And it's the same thing as the one in the last book. You're like, don't, that's terrible. You are <laughs> don't absolu- do that. You are absolutely going to regret that. You yes. know, which is the difference between age and youth almost to a T. But um, it, you're right. It is really compelling. And, and you know, on in the blueprint surface, it shouldn't be. It should be. We, we're all fairly advanced readers and, and, and understanding of story, and it should be dumb. But I'm like, oh, it's going to happen. Like, <laughs> I'm 100% titillated by the thing.
2: Yeah. It's you know so was like the fifties. I guess this is where it takes uh, place,
1: more or less early sixties. I guess it could be yeah sure.
2: it's that, that era, that mid-century American era in which two high school seniors are in love, and she's going off to college on the coast, and he's staying in town, going to the community college, and <laughs> you know,
1: God, I'm so sorry. This isn't about this isn't meant for a person listening to it, but in terms of the story, that guy's a loser. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's Al Bundy. <laughs> right, That's not he, this good.
2: It, 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 in the same way her father peaked in college. This yeah. her boyfriend is peaking right now. And she clearly is meant for better and bigger things, but he convinces her and the librarian who basically is her story who also, well she went off and saw the world but came back. Um came back an old <laughs> an old single maid who was probably 28. Yeah. And if that. She may be 26. The but,
1: prototypical hot librarian.
2: Right, who is, who is still looked at as as an old maid who's never going to get married because she's she's way too old now. Which, you know, odd, odd, makes sense because at that age, most people were married. Mm-hmm. It's not like now, you know. But convince the girl, Joan, to stay in the small town and not go to college on the coast and have a big life. And then we find out there's a, her her father and the librarian were in love in high school they they were they were the same couple as she and her boyfriend were and that's why her father's miserable and her mother's miserable and then then the very end like last week, last month's story, or whenever it came out last time story there's some connection to this overarching thing in which Joan the librarian is Joan who we've seen throughout the whole series and the boyfriend is the guy and he tries to kill her and that stuff, I'm, I'm interested and in, I want to know how, what it means, but I'm all, almost don't care. Like, I'm of two minds of yeah. it. I, I like it, but also don't care.
1: I'm, re- I'm actually right with you. I understand exactly what you're saying.
2: Like, she taught me more of these crazy love stories. And if it all comes together, fine.
1: But if not, that's also fine. It's fine. Yeah. You no, know it'd be fine. It'd be fine if the folks out there who said, I like this show, I like what you guys do, go over to patreon.com slash ifanboy. And you put your money where your mouth is or your typing fingers, which doesn't, isn't alliterative, so it doesn't sound as good. Uh, that's where you can go to support this show, uh, patreon.com slash ifanboy. Uh, m- many folks have, and we appreciate them very much. And, and as such, a, a second or third iteration of our wonderful community has bloomed again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a new dawn uh, for that kind of thing, which has been great. You can't um, keep it down. You can't. We have the, we have the best people. Like, yeah, ifanbase like, is like life, it finds a way. That there is intelligent, like thoughtful, like we weed out assholes, like, like nobody's business. If it was a lawn, it would be perfect. Uh, you know, and, uh, so, so one of the ways you can do that, you can be part of the community, but there's, there's patron only, uh, discord and, uh, Facebook groups, uh, that, that are, are flourishing and delightful. Um, you can directly support the show. You can unlock shows for everybody else. Uh, the next stretch goal, uh, right now, think we're probably going to talk about those stretch goals and what they look like going forward. Yeah. Um, uh, but th- it would be a comic book TV uh, sh- uh, podcast. Well, it's, it's not a show.
2: show. It's, it's we'll start covering comic book right. TV yeah, yeah, shows because yeah. we haven't been covering them. So right. it's not like a comic book TV show podcast. It's just when the show yeah. is on, like Moon Knight, we'll cover it, but we, have, we don't right. do that currently.
1: Yeah. If for some reason you were to beat that stretch goal, we would do that. We would start that right away, but um, yes. we, might, we might change things around a little Which bit. Which would mean later. I'd have to finish Moon Knight.
0: Oh, yeah, same.
1: Because <laughs> I'm not
2: <laughs> finished and I have no desire to be. That's, that's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the good news is you haven't missed anything. You can okay. go to ifanboy.threadless.com. Uh, again, I don't want your letters. You can go to ifanboy.threadless.com. Uh, you will find uh, design. You will find twelve designs that can go on t-shirts and items and skateboards and, and, and rugs and bath shower curtains. Uh, mm-hmm. Our newest design is the gosh. I have no. I have no objects with the gosh design on, and I need to rectify that. Oh, you got to have at least a shirt, man. I got a lot of shirts, dude i have a yeah, lot of listen, shirts this more was your idea you coined true. it i know i just think i would get a different item oh okay, listen something happens you go i gotta take care of that and then before you know it seven years have gone by and that's <laughs> that's how time works now ask Declan chalvey um so get to com if you don't deal with any of that and you're like hey i want to put something in the virtual tip jar then you got slash support we can find a paypal link then there's Amazon. We're you can find links to buy the books uh, that we talk about on the splodes. You will always find a link to the music and to the Pick of the Week on the show page, uh, and then also just a general link uh, if you're if you're getting uh, pet supplies. Uh, or I got a huge bag of dog poop bags. It's just a huge package of them. I should be good for a few years. And and if I had been uh, actually, if I bought that through the affiliate link, then then we would have been the benefit of those dog poop bag purchases to the tune of. Sense. <laughs> <laughs> you could go to bookshop.org as well we've partnered with them to help local bookstores uh, and you'll find the links on the site where we can fit them and they're appropriate uh let us move along to more comic books did either of you read the
2: stupidly titled Hulk versus Thor banner of War Alpha number one
1: either did that I- title is stupid or brilliant I'm not willing to con- I'm not I was I looked at it on banner of War it's kind of clever but I kind of hate it So I can't really. It it was the
0: alpha where they lost me. Yeah.
1: Well, Well, they'll throw that word alpha in all over Marvel for some reason. So they're about to cross. Donnie Cates
2: writes Hulk. Donnie Cates writes Thor. They're about to cross over, and so this is the kickoff issue. And at first, I was annoyed, but then it's like, okay, but if you're if you're doing that. Hulk people who aren't reading Thor might miss out, and Thor people who aren't reading Hulk might miss out. This way, everyone misses out because probably hardly anybody read it. This so this is just kicking off what's going to be the you next. Think Har- story. I bet
1: this thing sold big gangbusters. Oh, who knows? I don't know. Hulk versus Thor. Cates is enormously popular with the folks who like Hulk versus Thor, and he gives them what they want.
2: If I saw this title in a book in a store, I would probably be like, "What?
1: What is going? What is happening?" These are the Venom people, and All I right. bought it. I read it. I was I'm there. You know, I was like, all right, impress me. I like this. I don't know what's
2: happening in Hulk. I still don't know what's happening. I mean, I know what's happening. I don't. We talked about this last time with the Hulk issue. Yeah, It's not been working for me, but Thor has been. And so this, this was fun. And I'm looking forward to the crossover.
1: I think I enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed any of the Hulk issues, mm. which is to say there's some energy about this. There's some relentless forward motion about this, but I don't ha- no, I, I don't even know what the stakes are.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I, re- I liked Uatu with a bowl of popcorn. I thought this was a beautiful looking book.
2: From Martin Gokolo. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yes.
1: According to Watcher Rules, is enjoying what you're watching with a bowl of popcorn, is that okay? I think it's I think okay, okay. It's just, as long as he's just watching. Yeah. Are you, so you're allowed to like relish your job as a well, this is good. I think so. Okay, okay.
2: Although I, I wonder if he's got butter in that popcorn. Because look at those gloves. I mean,
0: it looked pretty dry to me. Those
2: gloves are not going to do well with that butter. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, he's got, he's got
2: space coat. Josh, you're a popcorn movie guy. Do you get butter on your popcorn?
1: Fuck yeah. Although, you know, you can. It's 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 it would be some sort of alchemy to be able to get it past the top layer. So I have a system is that I get a big popcorn, and then I get one of those little drink things, the little, and I pour some of that in the tray, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th- so that's how I divide it up. So that way I have less, I have, I have more room to work with on the shake. But yeah, sure. no, the popcorn is, you, the butter's great, but you have to like, you could kill yourself. So you really want to be careful. <laughs> I'm killing myself. I'm just saying, I,
2: the last time I was on a movie, and I, my hands were just covered in butter. Oh, sure. Like, This is not comfortable.
0: And and probably before the previews even started, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah. Well, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, and try not to eat the popcorn before the movie starts. Good luck with that. (laughs) No, I I got a jacket this winter. And uh, it was for skiing. It was a mid-layer. It was a nice jacket. And I went to the movies on my birthday. And I hit the the pump. And it bounced off something and just splattered right on the sleeve of the jacket. And I was like, well, that's never coming out. (laughs) <laughs> like I had moments of of this, like really high end Patagonia technical wear. Just pfft. oh well, and and Lindsay knows that. Like my gra- one of my great irritations is I cook and I get grease spots on my clothes all the time, and it drives me crazy. You don't have an apron? I do, but you know, I just I don't use it. I guess. You gotta slap on that apron. I guess, but either way, like it. I'm always gonna buy happens, you a chef's
2: so- jacket for Christmas.
1: I'm constantly, like, stopping what I'm doing and going in with, like, dish soap and baking powder, baking soda to try to get out grease stains that I've accidentally put in a new piece of clothing I got.
0: Yeah, dish soap works pretty well.
1: It, uh, anyway. Time, only if you get it right away. This was fun. Thor and Hulk
2: are fighting on some planet where they bet on fighting. <laughs> the,
1: con- the conversation before this show is, in that second group of show, books, we really got to plow through. I know. And, Connor, you started that.
2: I was just curious about the popcorn. Uh, you know, I, 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 so I'm looking forward to this. It's a, it's going to be a short crossover. It's just two issues per per. Um, That's fine. Per per book. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Grim, from uh, Boom Studios, written by Stephanie Phillips uh, and art by Flaviano, with color by Rigo Renzi, whose name I seem to recognize from Rick Remender books. I think this is basically a Grim Reaper story. It is not dissimilar to Carmen. There is a cute, mm. short-haired. Grim Reaper girl, and you sort of see there is a, a a back uh you know you see the the um back room to the Grim Reaper people who who send souls into the afterlife. If I hadn't read Carmen before, I think I would have thought this was really good. Not really good, mm-hmm. but interesting enough to keep going. I thought the art was fantastic, um, but it was, it was so similar in a way. It didn't have the girl the girl the you know, the the dead person in this right. isn't isn't as interesting as the dead person in the other one. Is the cute short haired version
2: of death Neil Gaiman's fault?
1: It has to I mean be. it's got to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean that's, it's that's not his archetype. fault. It's just everyone else everybody else ripping him off.
1: So in this one, like so for some reason the people who are the grim reapers who harvest the souls and bring them in there uh, they're they're like they're working off some sort of debt or something like that. And she loses her scythe. And Mm -hmm. finds out that the guy that she was taking it, taking it. So he he goes back to get his wife back or something like this. He was drunk driving. He hit a tree.
0: I I found the guy very annoying in a way like he was not a compelling character and I don't really want him to win.
1: (laughs) I I think Stephanie Phillips still creates great worlds and she writes great dialogue and, and sort of creates characters. Um, and again, like she seems to be able to do any kind of story. I, I I really love that all
2: every book of hers. The next book is totally different. Yep, 100%. it's totally different. Yeah. This is totally different than the than the 1930s crime Jewish Jewish mobsters book she just did, and different than the pirate book before that. Like totally different books. Yep, that's great.
0: Yeah, she's she's reached a status where if I see a number one from her, I'll definitely check it out because 100. She's 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 earned earned that.
2: I think this week I decided that Batman: Urban Legends, this issue 15 came out, is my favorite Batman book, and that's not Bat Family because that'd be Nightwing, obviously, but Bat Batman book, which is a testament to the book's strengths, but also a testament to the weakness of the Batman Batman books overall, currently. But um, this issue is this is an anthology book, so there's lots of things going on, and it just has a lot of great stories right now. There's the Batman zatanna story that I'm really enjoying. We're at issue five and six of that. I don't really want that to end because I really like that romance. There was a really fun one-shot Batman Plastic Man team up drawn by Jason Howard that I really liked. And I skipped the uh, back the uh, Birds of Prey story because I don't know who any of those characters are other than Katana. And then there's been a really good Mark Russell story going through this. We're, we're also part five and six of that in which it's about the the pets so that hound uh ace the bat hound is the, sort of the main character here and it's been really great really fun mark russell which has been sort of flying under i think most people's radars but um i've been really enjoying this this anthology anthologies don't usually work anthologies don't really usually last that long but this one's been going pretty strong and i've i think it's a i think it's a really quality book
1: i keep looking at it and remembering that i really liked the Sidarsky uh jason todd story <laughs> and i really like the um, Matt Rosenberg, um, yeah, there's been great stories throughout. Drifter story, but but I'm always I'm also like oh, I feel like I gotta dig through it to get to the good part, and I don't I don't want to read. Most uh, of uh, it.
2: Three, three out of four of these stories were good, and I think that's been the case usually. Like they had those a good. There was the Tim Drake story uh, for through some of it. Like it's always been at least at least half. There's usually four stories, at least half the stories, but usually three out of four are good.
0: shang Chi number twelve. This is uh, wrapping up the second arc that Jean Nguyen Yang. It has done. Um, I've been sticking with the series. I liked the first arc where he was kind of fighting different heroes of yeah, the world universe. Best part. Uh, this second arc is sort of him wrapping up um, all the, the situation with all of his siblings, but also them incorporating the MCU version of the Ten Rings as opposed to the, the Iron Man Mandarin style. Um, so now they've got those style of Ten Rings in the MCU and they're that same sort of corrupting influence from the movie. So Chung-Chi has to like overcome it with his, you know, iron will and, and inherent goodness. And the issue kind of ends with, um, the gang splitting up. And so all the siblings that I was finally starting to get a handle on all go their separate ways. And now Shang-Chi is just on his own. Uh, he's got access to the 10 rings and I truly do not know what's going to happen next. And it sounds like this was the end of this series and they're rebooting it with Shang-Chi and the 10 rings. Number one, uh, hopefully still being written. If it's still being written by Gene Luen Yang, I'll check it out. Cause I think he's doing a good job with this character and it's the you know most fleshed out version of this character i've read in comics up to this point so i will stick with it if gene Lu yang is the guy doing it
1: i like it but i don't love it he's got a yang has a voice that is is fairly consistent through his books that i like it's different than the other ones uh but i find my grasp on this to be tenuous other than wanting to know what he's going to do. And I'm I'm totally putting this down to the writer. I kind of want to know what he's going to do. I just want to see his thinking. I want to see his process work out. That's why I read his books. Even the ones I don't love.
2: Yeah, I, I liked the first six issues of this volume. I think it's funny that every every so often it reboots. So this is this would be like the fourth time. We, the first Shang-Chi volume, they rebooted, at those a one shot. And then it was this series, and now it's going to be Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. It's like every... Well this will be like the fourth volume in the last 2 years of this book. But I feel like
1: there's a there's a philosophy at Marvel that if there was a movie then we can definitely support a comic book series. And I as we all know as readers there's no way that's true. Right. Uh if it's not, you know, Captain America and I feel like every time they reboot it it's this little bit of optimism like well maybe if we change the title and give it another 1 we can make yeah. it work. You know, yeah. cuz I can't imagine the numbers will support this I mean, twelve issues is kind of amazing for a Shang Chi book. That's um, movie or no? Because as we know, those don't really affect comic sales, other than a quick blip, yeah. But that that's a, that, that sort of rebooting and renaming, I think, can only be like they really want to make it work. So they, they, and that's all they have. Like, well, we'll make it number one. And
2: in- I like the beginning of this, where he, every issue was a team up with a different character who was a star of a Marvel movie. I, I it was incredibly cynical, but I enjoyed the stories. And then when they those characters left. I, I've been less interested in this, like like you, Ryan. Like I don't really have a handle on the, the siblings, and it seems like it's been the same story in some variation over and over and over again. It's like he's fighting against the shadow of his father, and then some some evil evil person from his past shows up and tries to kill him, and then they
1: don't, and then how different is this from Thor right now? The Answer there's none. He's got yeah. his weapon. His dad talks to him and calls him an asshole while he does it. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. yeah
2: are you, is, are you guys all sticking with the new volume if Gene Luen Yang's writing it
0: yeah yes. that, was, that was my caveat but yes
2: I, I guess I'll check it out I don't know I, I, I had the drop off of Monkey Prince I just, I just couldn't do it anymore And
1: Connor he's a genius uh, <laughs> Gene Luen Yang
2: is a genius he, he's written some of my absolute favorite comics of the last decade bar none but sometimes it doesn't work. I don't think Monkey Prince is working at all. And Shang Chi, I've enjoyed probably fifty percent of the issues, so mm-hmm. it's worth it. It's worth giving it one more shot. But I don't know that it's overly compelling right now.
1: I think I. I mean, I, you're right. Like, I love his. I love his work that I love, and it's it's clear there. But uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not biased by the fact. Like, he's one of the nicest, most enthusiastic, mm-hmm. gent. You know, uh, uh, genuinely. Uh, nice people who I've ever talked to. You know, in terms of people who make comics, and I just am like, all right, I'm on, I'm on the team. Let's do this. Well, there's a
2: reason why I'm still reading this, and the reason why I went, I went three issues on Monkey Prince further than I liked it. Like, I want it to be good because he's he's talented and super nice. But I haven't. I I, listen. I read every issue of these Shang Chi books. Shang Chi. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of them. Me too. And I've enjoyed. A good portion of it, but I just don't love it. But I'll I'll check out the next one because they, whatever, they're Let's see what happens now. But I'm not going to, I don't know. I've read them all. I've read them them all. So those are the books we're going to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, those patrons that Josh mentioned earlier, every one of them can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, in super overwhelming fashion, the winner was the Jurassic League number one from DC Comics written by Juan Gideon, Gideon? And Daniel Warren Johnson with art by Juan Gideon. Mike Spicer on colors, Ferran Delgado on letters. And I I had to recalibrate while reading this. I started reading it and I was like, well, wait a minute. There's people here. And then wait a minute. Are some of these dinosaurs humanoid and some aren't? And then I was like, you know what? Stop thinking about it. Just stop worrying about it. It's not going to make any sense. So I had to sort of switch my brain to being like, okay, trying to make it make like logical sense. Like, oh, does this ship's arrival cause some of these dinosaurs to become humanoid? Nope. They were already humanoid before. And there's a whole humanoid race of dinosaurs on Themyscira. Just don't worry about it. That's what I had to do while reading this book. Which I'm sure Ryan had even a harder time with.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I had to, I had to turn off my brain from the start and keep it off the entire time, I mean you know you, obviously humans and dinosaurs did not coexist at least in the mesozoic. I mean, the idea of a batman or a bat dinosaur doesn't make sense because bats didn't <laughs> yeah, exist I mean, there, there were no there, there were no second. dolphins it's almost <laughs> over.
1: no it's not interesting no it's, 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 it's so, i'm
0: sorry so yeah <laughs> it, it 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 assumes a world where everything i mean you know there, it, it, i I've gotten used to the fact that dinosaur books we'll get the timing of different periods of dinosaurs existing completely wrong. So if you ever see a stegosaurus next to a T-Rex, like, that doesn't make sense. We're actually closer in time to when T-Rex existed than T-Rex was to when stegosaurs existed. Um, Just to put that in perspective. But, you know, I've gotten over that because I feel like people just think all the dinosaurs existed all at once.
1: There's also the maxim that you need to keep in mind. Life finds a way.
0: (laughs) Drill life does find a way.
1: It means what I'm saying. You know what's, what's interesting is that, like, I know what you're talking about, and I have been reading about it my entire life, and I cannot keep the uh, eras straight, yeah. and nor which dinosaurs were in it. And, and I think I just was like, eh, dinosaurs. Like, I know that if I look into it for even a half a second, I will – what you're saying is abso- – I know it's absolutely true, but I, I just have never been able to keep it straight. And I was a kid, like, who was interested in dinosaurs, and I was like, well, it's Cretaceous, Jurassic, Mesozoic, and eh.
2: Like I, now, I realize, not remember it. I realize we're talking about this in, in a book in which dinosaurs are all speaking English and fighting in costumes. So yeah, a there's point. a lot of things you've got to you've got to sort of let go. But it was more of like the basic like idea of the world. Like what is the foundation? Is the foundation of this world this was dinosaurs, and then something happened to made them heroes, or I guess were they're always humanoid, meaning dinosaurs with legs and human arms? And like I just had, at some point I was like, you know what, you got to stop. Just fuck it. Like read the book. And it was fine. I think, the my, honestly, the, the thing that was most disappointing was I was very excited when it was reported that Danny Warren Johnson was doing this book. But he's, I mean, he's kind of doing this book. He's co-writing it. He's not drawing it. And the art, while fine, was like so much less dynamic than if he had drawn it.
1: Yet fully in his style. Yes, it yeah. was
2: totally in his style. It's just... You could see the difference. It was, it, a lot of it was just very straight on shots of things. There was some very, there was some good panels and some dynamic stuff, but mostly it was just like a lot of medium, straight shots. And it's like, this is what Daniel Warren Johnson's art would look like if it wasn't incredibly dynamic and full of flair and energy. And it's not bad. Mm-hmm. It just was like, oh, it was good. I, I, was trying to, I kept picturing what this book would have been like.
1: I think have, it says everything that, I was much more interested in the conversation that we were just having about dinosaurs. <laughs> than I was like, thank God we're talking about this. Cause I don't know what to say about the book. Cause mm-hmm. I just didn't care at all. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I feel
2: like it's not definitely not a book for you for sure.
1: No. I mean like I get what it is and I get why it would be exciting, but really, you know, if we were talking about this in terms of Elseworlds stories. Uh, you know, if they, they bring something to the table, because in the context of, um, Knights of Steel, uh, you know that they're telling a different version of the superhero mm-hmm. origin stories or whatever, and sometimes they do something that's different, and sometimes they just dress up the the characters in the clothing of a different thing, and and make the connections, you know, and so they come up with a, a clever name, you know, that is dinosaur based. And that's kind of it, and that's what this was. This was, you know, this was an art project. It was just like, hey, let's draw this cool big shit, and I and I have no problem with it, but I don't care about it. Is kind of where I was at. Like there wasn't a, there wasn't a narrative I. I could It wasn't he was a bunch of you.
2: It was a bunch of short bits. We met Batman for a long time. And he he was fighting a Joker sore and then we a couple pages of Aquaman's, dinosaur, a couple pages of Wonder Woman, Superman. Joker sore, not a good name. Whatever his name was, I didn't I don't know. I know just, whatever
1: it was, I thought, "Come on, we could do better than that." I thought that was some
2: sort of big cuz it opens up with the ship crashing on Earth and the the uh, primitive man version of Mom pa, Kent finding it with a little dinosaur humanoid hand in it. I thought, well, maybe that's going to cause ripples throughout the world and change things. But it just was just, it didn't. It was just a humanoid dinosaur. There's already it was, other it humanoid
1: was, dinosaurs. It was, it was wrestling introductions. Yeah. Ryan, what did you think of this?
0: I did really like how self-serious all of the mascara stuff was. I thought that was actually kind of funny. I don't know why you would name Wonder Dawn. like Triceratops doesn't have Dawn in it. Like it's not a clever play on words. I was a little confused by that, but on the whole, yeah, I I didn't quite see how this all was supposed to come together in a way that um, you're you're right, it didn't as a as a story, it didn't didn't coalesce in quite the way I was expecting it or hoping it would.
2: Yeah, it's weird. I, I it it could look. I'm not above having fun and this could have been super fun. It just didn't feel fun. You know, it felt like we have some dinosaur superhero drawings and we're just going to have them fight other dinosaurs. Like that didn't, it didn't really grab me in any way in terms of, wow, that was really fun and inventive. And it just was like, you know, it just was.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's exactly it. Like there was, you know, if you were really into it because you thought the art was fun and it was like interpreting these folks as, as dinosaurs and having a big dinosaur fight and that's, that's what you're into. And I'm, I am not surprised that that is the thing that Daniel Warren Johnson would be into. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That works, you know, and, and there's, there's folks for it, but uh, it wasn't enough for me and it wasn't even, didn't even.
2: There was really one good. point where batman I don't know what his name was, but I just couldn't do that for everyone. Yeah. Uh, did like a suplex move on Joker, sore. That was a very wrestling move. And I was like, yep, there we go. That's that's, well, that's why they're doing is. this book. Yeah. And that's which, which is which fine. I just wish it was more dynamic. I wish it was more, is what I'm saying.
1: Uh, I mean, like, I need... I mean, it'd be one thing if it was, you know, Daniel Warren Johnson doing the art. But it wasn't. So, mm-hmm. you know, what do you have then? Need some narrative, folks. Yeah. yeah. Ratings? Ratings. Uh, out of five... 2.75 uh yeah same I think
0: I could go to three but I think I'll keep it I'll keep us all in the hand holding club and I'll also say 2.75
2: was it Jokerzard?
0: Zard it was it was hard to I tried saying it out loud and it didn't
1: Jokerzard.
0: Jokerzard.
1: isn't that a Power Rangers thing
0: it seemed it felt very Power Ranger-y
1: your age so that makes sense hey ryan did you read
2: justice league and legion of superheroes this week i did was there was that crazy with those feathered dinosaurs in that book
0: it was good it was good feathers
2: yeah i was like oh hey look someone's actually trying
0: yeah i appreciated that
2: all right so patreon.com flash fanboy if you are a patron all patrons can vote to add a book to the rundown but if you give it the five dollar or higher level you get a superpower live on the show let's do it
1: that would be me. Joe Bowen has the power to immolate people who pun or use wordplay. Immolate them. He immolates yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. So, you know, so he's he a doesn't, villain. it's not. I went back and I didn't say that. I mean, in some circles. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> I'm just saying. You've just committed gonna,
2: our pal, Paul, to death.
1: You know what? Unless he can show some self control. Can you tell me he doesn't deserve it? I'm saying, <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't remember what was happening when I wrote this one down, but I just thought this person should be, should be burned to death. So oh, if you, if you, if you ignore, you have the urge, you say, oh, I thought of this pun, but it's really bad if I say it out loud because it's just going to be terrible and everybody in the room is going to, you have to think doubly about it because you could be immolated.
2: <laughs> oh are they? Oh boy. All right. Al Folger uh is the ball man. He can produce any kind of ball that is needed Jeez, at balls. any moment. <laughs> uh baseballs, basketballs, footballs, soccer balls, uh cricket balls, any kind of ball, squeeze uh stress ball. Nerf ball, the the he, red ball can he from gym class.
0: Run his what own Powerball lottery.
2: He could have his own Powerball lottery. Yeah, yeah. Ping pong balls.
1: Bingo balls. Uh, meatballs. Meatballs. <laughs> uh, pizza balls. So wait, 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 wait! They do not necessarily have to be spherical. Then they no, just have they're... to be identifiable as a ball. Yeah. yeah. Can he? Can he? I'm. 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 Listen, I'm. I apologize. I'm taking. I'm. Can he generate testicles? <laughs> I mean. <laughs>
0: I was thinking, there's that there's that old Mayan game that is like the predecessor to soccer that they supposedly sometimes played with human heads. Does that mean he can then generate human no, heads because no. they were used as a ball?
2: They were used as a ball is one thing, an actual ball is a different thing. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, like people, you know, in 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 South, South American countries, in Central American countries, they, they use rocks to play baseball. It's not they're not. It doesn't mean a rock is a ball. You know.
0: What about like? I mean, yeah. Okay. Bocce balls?
2: Bocce balls, sure. Volleyballs. Absolutely. Wow. Pinball balls. Any kind of ball, he, he can generate it.
0: Pinball ball is elusive because it's, it's the one ball you you use when you're playing pinball, but I've never held one, so I don't know what it would actually feel like to have one in my hand.
1: What about marbles? Because no one marbles, calls marbles yes. balls. But they're not. But they're balls. No one calls them balls. Okay. But they are. <laughs> Those are balls. <laughs>
0: What about a cheese? Wait, ball? so wait,
1: wait, I'm sorry, one more question. Yeah. Say the pinball thing he wants to he wants to make a, a, a pinball show up. Does it show up in his hand or can he have it show up in the machine?
2: If he, try, if he tries really hard, if he if he concentrates hard, he can make it show up in the machine. So therefore he's a he's a pin, he could be a pinball
1: cheat. He's a pinball wizard. That's a he could be he, he pinball wizard. <laughs> ball wizard is his name. I could have I been, been immolated for that. <laughs> That was close enough. See, you, 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 you
2: gave I, Joe. I could have a, not done that. A terrible <laughs> and scary power, and now you, it's come back to bite you.
1: It's true. I could have not used lyrics from the old song and raised my eyebrows that neither of you could see for one of you to recognize that I said it because we were doing the wordplay about pinball. But I didn't, yep. and I would have. Can you tell me that I wouldn't have deserved to be immolated just then? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think it's an It's a immolatable offense.
2: But that's your thing.
1: <laughs> immolatable is <that laughs> i don't think that's an immolatable offense <laughs> which you know practically and literally speaking totally true but figuratively oh uh, boy maybe he doesn't immolate them he just you everybody just sees them get immolated and gives everybody a start <laughs> but you're not actually dead or burned
0: uh brian stenberg can change people's astrological signs
2: Oh, So like their
1: date of birth.
0: If you're in a conversation with somebody and they're like, well, I was responding this way because I'm a Taurus and they're a Leo. You're like, no, you're not. None of that means anything. I actually changed you. You're now a Gemini. I'm
1: going to go ahead and add that to the immolation. <laughs> if anybody mentions their sign <laughs> and gives it any meaning whatsoever. <laughs>
0: I know, but Brian, but Brian can now punk all of them because he can just change it. And like, if an astronomer went back in time to the day of that person's birth and looked in the sky, it would be a different constellation. It wouldn't be the constellation they thought. It would actually change it in time so that they are now officially uh, an, a- an Aries.
1: Are those constant? There's drift. So if you're a Pisces, right.
0: Yeah, if there is drift, it. but it's over much longer timescales than the average human lifespan, so... Like, eventually, the North Star will not be the North Star anymore. But it's going to be tens of thousands of years from now. Okay.
2: All right. Patreon.com slash ifanboy. If you give it the $5 or higher level, you can get your own superpower live on the show. Now, I know we're long, but two weeks ago, we were recording the show. And then shortly after recording it, we got the word that Neil Adams passed away. Uh, We meant to talk about it last week, but we had so many technical problems, we ended up not doing it. And then after last week's show... Shortly thereafter, we got the word that George Perez passed away, which is, you know, unfortunately news we had all been waiting for. Uh, Not waiting for, but, you know, braced for. Um, But it was a rough one-two punch to lose two legitimate legends of comic book, uh, the world of comic books in in the span of 14 days. Um, And we talked about this on the explode that all three of us were on the, the Contract with God show, but, you know, we're going to start – we've already lost most of the – if not all of the Golden Age our Silver Age legends of comics, although Neil Adams crosses over into the Silver Age. Um, we're going to start losing, you know, not just in comics but in all, in all of our lives. Our, our artistic heroes, we're at that age where that's going to start happening. But really, the comic book industry has been around for such a short period of time that it almost felt like at a certain point everyone was still with us and now it's going to be different now. And it's, it's sad because those guys are, are – Genuine, you know, huge. And Perez was young. Relatively. How old was he? He was in late, I think he was 67. Mm. I believe he was 67. Yeah, he was 67. And Neil Adams was 80. Which feels young, too.
1: It's just too young. Yeah. And he's, you know, because he's been doing work. He's been doing yeah. more work than Perez. I <laughs> mean, like, he's... Yeah. Like well, you yeah, see, he's yeah, been you, Up until a couple of years ago, you saw his work pretty damn regularly. And... It's interesting because, you know, you said when you say two legends, sometimes when two people uh, die or have stories about them within close proximity of each other, you sort of have to lump the one then the other who is lesser. But really, these are two titans mm-hmm. of equal stature, you know, for different reasons or whatever. But like in their time, in their prime, they were the alpha artist. Right. <laughs> I mean, like they were like. Neil Adams changed the game. He is a bridge between uh you know the the Silver Age and the Bronze Age, and George Perez kind of also in a slightly different way. But like if you had, you know, in the 80s, George Perez on a on a superhero comic meant that it was a bestseller. It, Neil Adams on a superhero comic in the seventies and sixties meant that it was a bestseller. And, right. and 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 earned. I mean, fully, you know, by by just being an instantly recognizable artistic creative force, right? Away, right. right? on. Right on sight. I mean, like you, you, I, you could. Any of us could tell their art from a thousand paces, and and then and then have countless imitators. I mean, these are the guys, you know, who 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 people try to draw like, and no one quite does it.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about this after Perez died. I mean Neil Adams is almost like i mean not not just an artistic giant, but you know he he tried to change the industry he tried to he you know he fought for artists rights he he fought to make sure artists got their pages back from this- co- the company instead of them just getting burned you know like there there's all kinds of things the industry doesn't look like if he doesn't come around all mm. those art dealers and con- convention sales are not happening if neil adams doesn't doesn't happen but mm. Neil Adams was almost when I was a kid, he was almost someone from the past, even though he was, he was working. It was like, he was a name I knew, and I read, a, I read his stories in like compilations, but he wasn't someone who I was actively reading as a kid. Uh, and I was thinking, who are the, th- the artists that inform my tastes in art? And I, I came down to three names from, and they're all from my childhood. So like Kevin McGuire, George Perez, And John Byrne, because when I came on in the 80s, Perez and Byrne were the two biggest guys working, and Maguire was one of the first comics I remember reading as a kid, and really sparking to that style. But, you know, Perez worked on every major character, every major book in both Marvel and DC. He he did a legendary run on the Justice League, he did a legendary run on the Avengers, and then he did it again. Um, he wrote, he did Crisis in Infinite Earths. He did the New Teen Titans. He, you know, it was like, if there was a big book in the eighties and nineties, early nineties, Perez was probably on it. And it just informed my, my tastes going forward. I was someone who liked all those image guys. I liked Jim Lee. I liked McFarlane. I liked Liefeld. But if you like, I was, my number one guy was Perez and Byrne. Those were two number one guys, and more, my friends were all about Jim Lee right. and Leifeld. Um, I had—I remember—I had an insert, I had, they There was a Infinity Gauntlet promotional thing they gave out that was about the size of a Trapper Keeper notebook, and you—you you know, the, those notebooks had the little sleeve you could slide it guard into, and I had that in my high school notebook. Like it was the image of it was a promotional image from Infinity Gauntlet that George Perez did because that just was the style I loved. I still remember the first time I read. Infinity Gauntlet number one. I remember just marveling at the art. I have a very distinct memory of that first issue, reading that first issue. Um, so Perez is like a you know Neil Adams is a, is a he's a he goes on the Mount Rushmore of comic book artists, and Perez for me is one of my all time favorites, all time greats.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's such a bummer. It's it's also Perez. Um, I can't think of another person who. We, you know, like he was like I'm sick, yeah. And then he kept talking to people, you know, through the course of being sick, and you and know was always so upbeat. And there's no reason to fake it if you're going to. So I, I tend to feel I'm gonna. I'm hoping that that's like a genuine thing for him no, everyone ever you talk
2: him to. Says he was yes. the nicest guy in comics,
1: and and if if you see him on a, if you've ever seen him on a convention floor, he was always smiley. Like he was a guy that that you kind of want. And I never did talk to him, but. Why didn't we, know, we ever interview able, him? I don't know. Were we scared? Maybe. I think there were certain people in our in our there were certain people that we grew up with who we admired so much that we just didn't feel qualified to have a conversation with them that wasn't a waste of their time. That was what yeah. kinda of, that's kind of how I guess I approached it. Ironically, him. we did interview Neil Adams. <laughs> well, he became a bit of a punchline for one thing that he did at one point, and I think that we fell victim to that for a certain time there's certain guys like they're they're legends and then as they pass a little bit out of favor they'll do something and he had this book that he did about the world expanding was it universe or the earth
0: it was the the world it was he had a a theory that the earth was expanding from the inside and getting bigger and bigger, and that's why dinosaurs were bigger back in the day because the earth was smaller so there's less gravity um you know it's it's not a theory that's founded in any reality or any science Uh, we talked a little bit about it in the discord so i won't get into it here because I do think it is a, a, a dark smudge on what was otherwise a really stellar and important yeah, career in Yeah, but that's what I'm it's saying, a, like...
2: Eh, it's a, then we got past it. It's most irrelevant to me. Yeah, it's like whatever, you know.
0: And, 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 that, and that's why I just wanted to, to you know, I'm aware of it. it. We've talked about it on the Discord. I'm not going to get into it here just because I don't think this is the time or the place to, to do I it. I mean, Neil Adams thought the world was
2: getting bigger. Just Josh thinks people in pun should be killed. Like, we all have our quirks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I remember hearing uh, it was an Old World Balloon word balloon interview with Neil Adams where he told some story about how he found out. I can't remember which of the two companies he was working for, but he found out like the the guys they were buying their colored ink from, like they were giving the guys across the street twice the colors for the same price. And so like, he just went and argued with them until they gave him the same deal. And I love little stories like that, where it's like, he seemed like a guy who just would not tolerate injustice or unfairness and would go to the mat and fight for what he felt was right. And I really respect that. And I think, you know, comics, the landscape of comics is not would not be the same if he had not been there fighting the the whole time he was in the in the game.
2: Yeah, and I don't want to shortchange him at all. Obviously, be, even though we spent like I could I could spend hours talking about Perez because I li- I was living in real time. But like, you know, we 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 actually did a book explode on Neil Adams last year. I think Josh, we did that Batman Neil Adams book explode. and you mm-hmm. go back and you you look at his pages and what he did. It's 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 almost like the leap from Kirk, everyone else to Kirby is the leap Agreed. from everyone else to Tim Neil Adams, because mm-hmm. he what he did was just explode the idea of what you could do with a comic book page.
1: He yeah he picked up that ball and ran it further down the field. Whereas like you could look at Ditko and Ditko is working in the same universe as Kirby, but just had this another amazing style. So he was a contemporary, you know. And then Adams. Was the guy who was like, "Well, where do we take it from here?" And he was, I think, the the first one to really advance that. And, and you know, we we've, we've said this many times, but if you look at those pages, those '60s and '70s Neil Adams pages and the layouts and his you know figure drawing and his yeah. you know just it, it's it's leagues ahead of where it was, and it would it would it would still if it came out in a book today. The style he was, the way he was drawing then, not necessarily the way he was drawing when he was in his 70s, yep. which still had hints of it, but, but that, that stuff back then was flawless, you know, and, and you, would, you would think it was beautiful if it came out in a book today.
2: He brought a sense of realism where, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, you look at double, this double edged sword. <laughs> sure, but you look at the art of the Golden Age and the early Silver Age, you're looking at cartooning, right? You don't, you're yes. not like, oh, look, that, that character, The Flash, looks real. Like, but Neil Adams brought a sense of, Adding, you know, realistic uh, anatomy and things that you never lost the sense that it wasn't looking like Alex Ross. You never lost the sense that these are drawings on a paper, but it was still more realistic than
1: it was you so much were used more to. Dynamic yeah. and realistic. I mean, I I'm I'm picturing I don't remember what it's from, but I'm always there's a Batman and he's running across the the one desert is running across the desert right at everybody. Yeah. His left hand is way down in the the left hand corner. Mm-hmm. of the page and and you know that it goes diagonally up towards the right as his cape sort of flies that way yeah. you know and there there's an energy in his panel layouts and his you know posing that it just takes that foreshortening that that Kirby made the standard and 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 you know added a lot more um technique to it is that does that sound like the yeah. right thing i mean i feel like kirby was imagination and and neil adams was technique you know, and, and the, that's sort of where they meet in the middle. And he, you know, he loved those big overwrought, like, like we
2: we we talked about this in the book split about how his character work was almost like from melodramatic soap opera, like yes. everyone was really feeling all their emotions, but it really worked. <laughs> like in, the
1: sad, distraught Batman under his mask, and you could tell, yeah. like, you'd, oh,
2: <laughs> and it just really, it just, it was this really dynamic sense of storytelling, and I. I think as a kid, you know, first of all, you, you 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 know you like something, and you, you don't necessarily know why you like it. You know, you're in that sense. Like I remember when I was eleven and twelve, when, when Batman '89 came out, and they put out a bunch of collections. You know, collections were not necessarily things that they put out all the time, but back then they put out the greatest Batman stories ever told, Volume One and Two, and the greatest Joker stories ever told. And I bought those, of course. I still have them, and they're looking back now, they're full of Neil Adams.
1: They're full of them. Yes.
2: And they were stories that's I loved it. reading over and over and over as a kid. I probably read those books 100, 200 times. But I didn't know. I didn't know what I was looking at. I just knew I was responding to it. And I didn't know why. And I do not even know really who was doing it. But when I open them up now, I'm like, oh, look, that's a Neil Adams story. And I remember, that, I remember loving that story as a kid. And that's another Neil Adams story. And so he is also all over my childhood in a way I didn't understand at the time because I was maybe slightly too young. But –
1: I very much remember having the, one of the first graphic novels I bought was the greatest Joker stories ever told. And that's because I couldn't find the Batman stories ever told anywhere, so I got the Joker one. And those ones that that he did were the ones that I was like, wow. I mean, even (laughs) as a Mm 12-year-old, you know, and those stood out to me then. And so that's where he first made a mark on me, probably before I knew who Perez was. Right. Because they just looked so much better than every other thing in that book. Uh, it was cool and I was into like Todd McFarlane at the time so
2: and Frank Miller gets the credit rightly for The Dark Knight Returns and making Batman serious and but really if you go look back it, it starts with Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill you know trying to make to take Batman in a different tonal place post Silver Edge post Batman 66 and it, they may not f- they've gotten fully where Frank Miller went and therefore everything else after but they, they have to be part of the conversation of making Batman mm. into who he was. Batman in, in the 70s wasn't a very popular character. You know, he yeah. wasn't. Which is crazy to think now, but it isn't. It's true.
0: I still remember the fir- first time I really um, understood sort of how Neil Adams changed the game was I was already in college and I picked up a Dead Man collection that had some of the earliest stories drawn by Carmine Infantino, who's I think probably my favorite Golden Age artist. Love Carmine Infantino. And then it transitions, but, but the transition so from those issues in Neil Adams, I mean, it's night and day. Oh yeah. It's that's a, it's that's actually why the, I said
2: flash earlier. I was thinking about Carmine and Ventino. like, yeah, for sure. Go ahead.
0: The, 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 well, just the explosion of details and textures and emotions, you know, like the stuff you guys have been saying when you transition from Carmine's early work into what Neil Adams did with the character. And I, I now think it's fair to say that, you know, Deadman man is more associated with Neil Adams than than Carmine or his, uh, the original writer. So
2: yeah, it's it's a it's a huge loss for 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 the the industry and a huge loss for just you know every 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 all these pros came out after Perez died with stories about how he would have conversations with them and buck them up when they were feeling down or praise their work and that would they would you know they would fly away you know like it seems like again I don't know why we never interviewed Perez. I mean, I'm not we just interviewed so many people over the years. i we definitely we definitely did you know, a do I just don't remember why we never did push Perez. It could be also he just wasn't around. He started getting sick in 2013.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we were doing stuff from seven to Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. know why. Maybe he just
2: was doing cross-gen. I think there was a whole in the beginning he was at cross-gen. I don't think we want to talk about that stuff, but um it's just a huge loss for the industry. It's a huge loss for the world, the humanity, and and Neil Adams felt like one of those, like, immortal people. You know, he never looked his age. He always looked like he was, he looked kind of still like it was 1956, and he was mm-hmm. still young, and he was very, he is very, um, you know, his hair was black. He had, he was very vibrant. He, 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 he came off as younger than his age, so it felt like he'd be around forever, and, and Perez feels like a contemporary, so it just, feels just a, it's a bummer, and it's going to be a bummer as these things start
1: happening in the next few years. And but you know, what can what can we do about it? What do I feel good about? Like, we keep talking. You find about a cure for cancer, Josh. No, I. I mean, I could do that, but instead, I'm thinking about immolating punsters. No, but I mean, like, I feel like if nothing else, like we've made sure to at least to a small group of people who enjoy comics to make sure that we keep those names and their influences to the forefront. I feel really yeah. good about that, and I think we should keep. You know, I will keep doing that. But you know, it is a it is a great thing to be. Uh, you know, person person who talks about comic books and that that people are sort of paying attention to, and, and and be able to be like, no, look at this Neil Adams stuff, and then have other people discover it, and they get that, you know, they they realize it, you know. It's when you see when everything clicks into place, and you go, oh, that is something special, you know. So you know, be a curator of that legacy of that sort of work, and and how it connects to it, and and
0: yeah, I think curator is a great a great word for yeah. sort of the role that we can play in this space is to just make sure, yeah, I, 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 well put.
2: Yeah, it's going to be about, you know, like and I was thinking about, you know, there was the whole Justice League Avengers collection that just came out recently. And I, I even think that the miniseries itself is really only happens because someone like Perez is involved with it. You know, someone who everyone likes in the industry. And it's and Perez always wanted to finish that because, you know, he started that, you know, decades before the, the miniseries actually happened. And he always wanted it to happen. And I think that's a good reason why it did. And it's a good reason why there was a new collection out i, I things that we enjoy happen because of people like that. And, you know, it's just a bummer. Just a bummer. I
1: guarantee you that if you were to look through any collection of George Perez work, you wouldn't, you would not, you just, it's just, an, it's an absolute, you would not find a page like, oof he phoned this one in. <laughs> it, it wouldn't happen. He'd right. be like, I'm going to put some extra heads in there. Right. Like that's, that's how he would work. He would overdo things. He would never underdo them. Yeah. Then it, and it works.
2: Yeah. It's fun. So there you go. We, uh, Toast to Neil Adams and George Perez, um, two of our favorites and two uh, giants in the industry and their, their loss will be felt. Um, so obviously we skipped the email section to talk about Adams and Perez, but contact.ifanboy.com is where you can write in for this show or for the Media Explode show. If it's for the Media Explode show, please put it into the, uh, the subject line of the email. Uh, out now, Josh and Paul Montgomery and I talked about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. You can find that show right behind this one on the feed. We had three different opinions. So, just FYI, nobody read to us to say you guys because it was three different opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up the rest of this month in May, Josh should have a talk explode. There will be We're a media it. explode. The media explode should be coming out actually maybe this coming week, I think, possibly. We haven't recorded it yet, but that's on the schedule. And then in the beginning of June, Ryan and Paul and I will talk about DC Showcase Constantine. And there's a whole subtitle, I don't remember what it, is, what it is. But that one slips by us. So it came out already, but we've just been so busy that we'll get to that one in June. It'll be happening. Don't you worry. And uh, Ryan, why don't you talk about
0: your show? I mean, I'm a little worried, but that's, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> I'm a little simple. worried, too that's not that's not the viewers problems and i think we need to table whether or not they're viewers uh yeah. of.com is my podcast i recently recorded an episode with j kenji lopez alt of the food lab and uh serious eats in new york times he's a food guy food science guy He has a new book out uh all about the walk so if you're interested mm. in learning how to cook with a walk but also just my kind of science food chat with him that should be coming down your feed soonly
1: all right you can find out about all of our shows over at iFanboy.com as well as the archive of years of great comic book writing from our, our large, varied, and talented staff. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by following at iFanboy on Twitter or at iFanboy.com or at iFanboy Comics on Instagram. Follow us individually, CSK Patrick, J A Flanagan, and Ryan Haupt on Instagram and just Haupt H A U P T on twitter you can subscribe to our youtube page at youtube.com slash to keep up to date with the old video show reuploads. the full-length shows are all uploaded so sort of just down to our minis this past week we have the pick of the week the roberts number one did a second issue never come out of that i don't Is that remember. the one well i think it was
2: a pretty pretty baby it was machine about, was the famous one
1: okay okay uh, maybe there was a second roberts it was about the zodiac killer and the the strangler was it was it the boston, boston strangler,
2: strangler and something else both named Robert.
1: Okay. Um, maybe there's a second one that finished it. I think it was a two-issue series. And the new comics preview. You're sitting around. You're thinking, I know what comics came out this week. What about September 10th, 2008? And what did those guys <laughs> think about it back then? Well, I got good news for you, pal. You can go to YouTube and you can find out. How many views does something like that get? Not Five, many. Five, eight? There were yeah, two issues
2: so. of the Roberts. It was a two-issue uh-huh. miniseries. They both came out. Yeah. And it was about... The Boston Strangler and the Zodiac Killer being in a, living in a retirement home together. And it was I mean, terrific. That's
1: a, that's a great pitch. You could pitch that yeah. to me again right now and I'd say, sign me up. Okay, I'll buy <laughs> that. 100%.
2: Yeah. Where are we? Yeah, no, those don't get very many views, which understandably. Next week is more exciting in terms of those shows. Before I move on, we never, get, we never said whether or not we were going to continue reading the Jurassic League as a series. Are we sticking with it?
1: Um. um. I'm going to say probably no, but that's not 100% no.
0: I don't think I will.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm
2: torn because I really love Daniel Warren Johnson, but it doesn't feel like his fingerprints are on the book very much other than a few things here and there. So I don't know. Oh, it's going to be a game time decision like Josh. Yeah. Hey, if you like the show, please consider leaving a review or star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Even better that's word of mouth. Tell your friends, your mom, your kids, your letter carrier, the person who sells you donuts, the person, the cop, giving you a par, uh, speeding ticket. I love Anybody, her. Just tell them. Tell them about the show. Maybe they'll like it. You don't know. Don't assume they won't. Don't be. Don't. Don't be full of assumptions. Or Josh might burn you. I don't know how he feels about people assume things. I,
1: I didn't. No, no, I didn't say burn assumption people. I don't if you're know. I'm just punning. At this point, if, if you're punning, you know what you're doing. <laughs> so
2: that's it for this week's show. Thank you, Ryan, for joining us in the third chair.
0: Anytime.
2: And thank you all for listening. Until next week, I'm Connor.
0: I'm Ryan. Let me
1: check here. Yep, Josh Flanagan. That's me. Stay safe out there.
0: Go slow.